Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading will be taken from the book of Joshua, the 24th chapter, and beginning with the first verse. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God, and Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Your fathers lived of old beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, Naor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offsprings many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. The Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zephyr, king of Moab, rose and fought against Israel. He invited Balaam, the son of Lord, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam, therefore he blessed you. And so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Pizzerites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword are by your abode. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you dwell therein. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive yards which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if you be unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, help us to understand what Joshua was trying to say to God's people. We have made plans, the Lord and I. 
Joshua was a great soldier. He was a great man of strategy. He was a very bold man. He was a very daring man. He was a very brilliant man when it came to the place of following God and being able to equip and lead God's people as God wanted them to be led. And now he comes to this day. And as the scripture tells us, he calls together all of the leaders of God's people and brings them together. And it's interesting to note that when the recorder was recording this, he saw this as all the people coming not before Joshua, but coming before the God that they serve. Now I'll try to calculate just real quickly. I think Joshua at this time in his life was somewhere between 85 and 100 years of age. His life ambition had been fulfilled. He was comparatively a young man when he came from Egypt and came with the children of Israel and through that wilderness and all those 40 years they dwelt out there in that God-forsaken place. And now he comes to the place of where the people have all been able to be settled in the land that God had promised them, the land of promise. It was a happy time, a time to give thanks unto God. But at this moment, Joshua was doing two things. He is, in a sense, coming to the place of where he is laying aside his armor, his sword, and his spear. But he's also reminding the people again uh, that this is a critical hour with them and that they had better renew their faith and their commitment and their dedication to God. Now, beloved, when we come to a place like that, whether it be where Joshua stands or where we stand today, when we have in sight uh, the complete uh, total indebtedness uh, finished on this building here, is a time uh, of uh, critical time for us. As I look back and think about Joshua as he stood there with those leaders of God's people and began to speak to them, I can see it was a happy time, but it was also a very sad time, to say the least. It was sad in this fashion, because there was no more Red Seas to be crossed. There was not a desert to be negotiated. There were no more Amorites or the other Hittites or any other group of people standing in their way that they needed to conquer in order to get on to the promised land that God had given to them. There was no more giants to be fought, no more cities to be taken, no more rivers to be crossed, no more mountains to be overcome. It's done. It is finished. I remember some years ago, an uncle of mine was dying, and he knew that he was dying and been in the process of dying for several months. I remember one of the last times that I had uh, the opportunity to be with him, I thought a great deal of this uncle because he took an interest in me and because he gave me an opportunity at a very tender age to work for him and he paid me for it. And I remember in his dying days, he said to me, he says, the, the most difficult thing about dying, the hardest thing it is to accept, there's no more plans can be made. There's no more challenge out here. Uh, no more things to be done tomorrow. Beloved, I suppose that the like of plans, in a sense, is the essence of death, is it not? A few weeks ago, I was talking to a man, an hour and 45 minutes, we were riding to Frankfurt, and he was telling me about the plans that he had 
after he had retired from one position. More than 75 years of age. And I was so captivated by what this man was saying that he was doing, uh, going to do the rest of his days and how he was going to help people and get people involved with him that he sold me on the idea when I came back home and the next week he called me, I think it was on a Tuesday night, and we talked for about another 30 minutes. And we had plans, and I was planning to supposed to meet him on that coming Friday. And we were going to make a bargain and enter into agreement one with the other on what we were yet to be done out here in the future. The only thing about it is that God called him home without any notice really, he worked all day, went in the house and sat down and and the Lord called him, and that was it. And so, I did not get to fulfill the plans with this man that I had hoped to have engaged in. Now, what a way to live, and what a way to die. What a way to die. Beloved, I would ask you this morning, what plans do you have? What battles are you engaged in? What bridges are you interested in building? What are you involved in with God? The Lord has not taken off his fighting armor. He has not placed aside his spear, his bow, or his shield. Let us know that. The Lord is much alive today. One of the great signs of life is what God is doing within the world today and what he's called us to do. What plans do you and the Lord have for his kingdom and for his people? Do you have anything on the drawing board that is exciting, that is daring, that is bold? Are we just existing without any plans? Beloved, let me tell you about my plans. Or even better, let me tell you about the plans of the church that I have the privilege of being a part of. I belong to a living church. Is always trying to do something. Is probing here and there like a, a mighty army trying to penetrate the weakness of the enemy and find where the soft spot is in order that we might be able to give them the, uh, a blow that will help us to rescue the people that are in the clutches of our enemy. We talk in terms of doing this and doing that and doing the other. Always thinking, always looking. Always searching. Beloved, deliver me from a group of people, whether they be God's people or whoever they be, who are satisfied with where they are and have no more desire to do anything further than what they have done up to this point. Beloved, it's an awesome thing to belong to a church like you have the privilege and opportunity to belong to. A church that dreams dreams. A church that sees visions. A church that can hear the call of God. A church that has been summoned of the Lord to an awesome responsibility. And I want to tell you truthfully, beloved, as I stand in this place and I see the opportunity we have and as I see what God has called us to do and to be, and as I know how difficult and hard it will be, it does cause me to tremble sometimes. But aren't you glad that you have a church that demands the very best that you have to give to it? Beloved, let us take heart. And in order to do that, I do not know any better place to look and to the scriptures and listen again to Joshua of long ago 
as he spoke to God's people. Get this picture within your mind. Here Joshua is, this man that has lived with God's people for a lifetime. He has come through every hardship and every difficulty that any man could ever possibly come through upon the face of this earth. And now he comes to this place and he looks back and this is what he has to say to his people. You remember Abraham, how God called him from beyond the river and from those gods that are beyond the river. Beloved, if you'd have been there that day when Abraham picked up his meager possessions and crossed the river and left everything behind that he had ever known, it's in all probability you would have said that he will never be heard of again. But this was the man that God had his hand upon. And Joshua's right. Abraham, in the sight of God, oh, how God blessed him, gave to him Jacob. Jacob, again, a strange man in many ways, a man that got in a fight with his family and left home. And if you'd have been there that day when Jacob left home, you would have said, he'll never be heard of again. He's gone. He's a rascal anyway. But God had a hold of this man. And beloved, from this man comes the multitudes of those who love God. And then if you would have been there of long ago, let's add another name because it's mentioned within that chapter. A man by the name of Joseph. The cause for Jacob going to Egypt. And if you were going to try to save God's people and keep them from starving to death, how would you have gone about it? Well, God, you remember, let Joseph be sold by his brothers into slavery. And if you'd have been standing there that day, you would agree with the brothers. We'll never hear from him again. We're, we're finished with this strange character forever. But not in the hand of God. And it's interesting to note that all the journeying of God's people, they carried with them the bones of Joseph until they had made it back to the promised land. And it was only then that they put his bones to rest. What a man determined that he would be with God's people when he was alive and that he would be with God's people even in death. And then there's Moses set adrift at an early age upon the water delivered to the palace of Pharaoh and if you'd have been there that day you would have said this is an impossibility we'll never hear from this man again caught up in this pagan society right in the den of iniquity where uh, paganism is at its rankest we'll never hear from him again but oh here was a man that God had planned for oh how well God's planned when he wanted a man to be educated, he gave him to Pharaoh in order that he might be able to have the best education of that country and that time. The best. The best. And he called Moses to come. And he did it. Uh, the impossibility. And then let's add another name. Joshua is speaking here, but now 4,000 years or more later, we can add his name to it and we say, Joshua, you have a name. And oh, what a name. Standing with God's people. Oh, how faithful you were. Doing the impossibility. When God's people got to the promised land the first time, it was only you and Caleb that said you could lick the giants. The other men cast fear into hearts of God's people and they turned back and for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. It was only you and Caleb remaining alive after 40 years 
to go into the promised land. And there's another one we would add, the Lord Jesus Christ called 12 disciples. 12 disciples. These disciples were only thinking in terms of Jerusalem. But the Lord Jesus Christ was thinking in terms of the whole world. Twelve people, twelve men starting out, turned the world upside down and inside out and changed the course in the history of man. The Lord has a world in His mind. And beloved, I want to tell you something. The Lord still has a world in mind. We have made plans because we are part of this world. The seriousness of the church today. Beloved, I lived through the Second World War. In fact, I was involved in it. And I was told that it was a critical time, and indeed it was, when Hitler had the world by the throat. But you know something? I believe the world today is in a more critical, dangerous situation than it ever was under Hitler. We are threatened on every side by materialism, hedonism, atheism, and is personified within communism. Beloved, make no mistake about it. The church today is the only thing that stands in this world, between this world, in total chaos. Total chaos. There's a man today that is in this world, and he is sort of like Moses, coming from the very court of the Pharaoh to say something to God's people. We know this man as Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Now, beloved, you expect me to say this from the pulpit because you don't know whether I really believe it or whether I'm trying to tell you something that is sort of you to believe it so that you might do something. But let me say to you again, if you want to know what the truth is in this world, if you did not hear his message as he gave it to Harvard, you ought to try to pick up the paper and to read part of that message. Let me quote just two or three things to you from this man that came, was spawned in the heart, the very heart of communism. He says the evil forces are gathering in the world today and they are becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. The West is no longer a model for the world. Too materialistic have lost their spirituality. No longer have a faith in a supreme ultimate being. The Western society has grown slack and evil through devotion to man's appetite instead of God's design. In the present condition, the West is no match for the growing evil that is gathering upon the face of this earth today. Beloved, let me say to you, and ask the question, have we grown fat? Have we grown so fat that we cannot either hear or see what's going on in the world today? As God's people, have we grown so soft because of lack of battle or the refusal to do battle with this world and the evil of this world that we will refuse to sacrifice for it? Have we grown so comfortable that we will refuse to do anything that disturbs this comfort of ours today? Have we lost all of our dedication? Have we lost all of our steel and our metal? Have we lost our desire to do battle with the evil that is in this world? And let us make no mistake about it. It is as the Apostle Paul said, we do not contend with flesh and blood. 
We contend with powers in high and low places. Beloved, let me say to you that there's a satanic force in this world today that's gathered up his followers like you wouldn't believe. And the scary thing about it is, beloved, is that these forces are willing to pay a price. I wonder, I wonder if we are really willing to pay the price that needs to be paid in order that God's will and His plans might be accomplished upon the face of this earth. Our is Sosanitsyn right? Does he come from a place to see more perfectly than we can? Has he really looked at the Christian cause? And has he written it off because we have grown soft and indifferent, more concerned with the way we feel and where we live than we are with the kingdom of God? Has it really happened? Is this where we really are? You know, we have done something here within this church, and we're to be commended for it. Beloved, we voted to build. That is the easier thing to do. It is yet to be seen whether or not that we will be disturbed. It's yet to be seen whether or not we will sacrifice. It is yet to be seen whether or not we will give up some of our powerful time in order that the kingdom of God might come more perfectly here upon this earth. Beloved, let me say to you again, make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. If the church and God's people doesn't do it, this world is going to go into a chaotic condition like you wouldn't believe. It'll make the dark ages look like a Sunday school picnic. Is all you have to do is take a look and see what's taking place within the world today. And how could you come up with any other conclusion than what this man has said that is not even a minister? Beloved, let me say to you that you're involved in a struggle of this world that if all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would snatch aside the curtain and let you see what you're really contending with, it would probably scare you half to death. And I want to tell you that what we purpose to do here within this community is so important, is so important. I do not know how important it is. I do not know whether we've waited too long. I do not know, but I will tell you one thing. That I am as Joshua of long ago, are we not? That even if time runs out on us, I would rather for God find me at the battlefront doing those things that needed to be done, whether it be a building or whatever it is. Let me be listed with God's people. This is basically what Joshua was saying. When we come to a critical time within our life, within our society, within the world, or with God's people when indifference is taking its toll, only those people who are committed to God are going to make the difference. Will you listen to Joshua? It's as good today as it was when he said it. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Choose. You must choose. You will choose. Will you serve the gods that your forefathers came from on the other side of the river? Will you serve the gods of the Amorites that served in the land where you live? Or will you serve God? Will you serve God? The hour is coming. 
The hour is upon us. We at this church, whether we want it or not, are going to make a decision. And it's not going to be by voting to build. It's going to be whether or not that you're willing to sacrifice in order that God will have His way. How do you know? How do you know? But there won't come from among us one that has the ability or the capability of taking the leadership under God's hand and doing the thing that needs to be done. I think about what was said years ago. If someone had gone to that priest long ago where Adolf Hitler attended that church and had said to that man that was God's man and said to him, there's a young fellow on your doorstep that if you don't reach him for Christ is going to plunge this world into such a bloody bath as it has never been known before. Millions of people are going to be killed. He's going to disrupt the whole world. But that priest have said, now, oh, come on now. Don't hand me that stuff. But beloved, that is exactly the way that it was. But no one told it. No one told it. Does anyone have to tell us? Who knows what God will do if we will be faithful to Him? Who knows what God will do here in this community if we will be faithful him. Maybe there shall come one from among us that will stand and the power of God will be upon him so that people will listen and God's people will be led as they have never been led before. It's a possibility and it's one that we want to be involved in. Joshua was right. You will not hold the line unless you commit yourself anew to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our day of commitment has just about arrived. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Lord Jesus, help us, we pray thee, that we might be conscious of who we are and what we are, and that we might be conscious also of the hour that is upon us at this very moment. And Lord, we know that time may run out on us, but we want to be found at the battlefront with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 